Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. It's May 29th, 2022, and this is episode 121 of the workshop podcast. We got a really, really cool guest coming on tonight. It's pretty rare that I get a fellow Albertan to come on, but this is, uh, it's going to be good. Anyway, we're going to dig in here in just a second and uh, interview him, but we'll get our um, announcements and that kind of thing out of the way real quick. Number one, uh, I'm going to plug this like crazy, but I'm going to be at the Self-Reliance Festival in Camden, Tennessee, the first weekend in October coming up. So that's rather exciting. Be going from Prepper Camp in North Carolina the weekend before and then down to Self-Reliance Fest. So that'll be great. Um, the TikTok channel, got to get that out there, guys. Uh, the YouTube channel has been going great. So we decided to relaunch that as well. And so don't forget to check that out. And finally, the giveaway for the signed copy of Going Home. Go over on social, fill it all out, uh, post a picture of your favorite book, whatever it happens to be, and you can get a copy of Angry Americans Going Home book series. Uh, the book signed, which is great. And then finally, uh, always every, every episode I try to feature or put a focus on one tool, and today it's the Nico Impact Allen Key Set. I use that all the time. Uh, my wife and I actually used it last night to put together some makeup tables for the girls. So check out that link. It's pinned in the comments and we will, yeah, it's there for you guys. So without further ado, let's bring on Greg. Hello. Hey Greg, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, sir? Excellent. And um, so is it Gorecki? Is that how I pronounce it or? Gorecki. Go Recky. Okay. Right on, right on. And so you're a, a fellow Flatlander, fellow Albertan? Uh, that's right. For uh, most of my life now. Okay. You came, um, so I always try to do a little research on my guests before we start, see what's out there, you know, but so um, did I read you're born in Poland? Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. In, in Israel, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. I, 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 I watched a little interview with you and you told a story about how you used to dig up shells when you were a kid, did you? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's how we played, you know, sticks, stones, and explosives. That's actually pretty crazy. <laughs> I remember uh, I, I was only a few years old and I was smashing bullets open with a rock. That's one of my first memories to get out the gunpowder. Ever have any accidents? Uh, no. We got a little feedback going on there. Sorry. Just give me one second. We got to close this out. Ever have any accidents? There we go. I don't know what just happened. Hang on. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> when we're live, these kind of things happen, you know? No problem. It's not from my end, is it? No, no, no. It's totally my end here. Give me one second. It's uh, Telegram. We've been trying to stream on a few extra. There. Okay. We're all good. Sorry, guys. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. Did you ever have any accidents with the uh, shells or anything like that? Uh, no. Uh, I had one. Well, I had one go off, but it never hit me. It kind of, you know, the shell went this way, the casing went the other way, and, you know, I didn't get the gunpowder, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, the, the worst I remember doing is just cutting open 12 gauge shells, you know, and uh, we used to pour out the, the, the powder and light little fires, that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you come from? You know, your, your past military, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, you know, immigrated, uh, 89. Um, okay. yeah, a little bit of, you know, hanging out, being a dude, being a kid, right. 
and mm-hmm. then uh, joined the reserves in 1998 um, while I was still in nope, just out of high school. That's right. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I was in the military ever since uh, until I was uh, until I released uh, 2019. And you did uh, a term in Bosnia and a term, or at least one in Afghanistan as well. Did you? Uh, correct. I deployed uh, once to Bosnia and once to Afghanistan. Um, yeah, Bosnia was uh, 2000, 2001. And then uh, Afghanistan was the first rotation into Kandahar in 2006. So were you so were you home before? I, I always whenever somebody mentions 9-11 or sorry, 2001, I always think of 9-11 when you're in the military. Were, were you over there when that happened or did you come back or were you back? Uh, I, I was I was back already. OK. And so I. I, I put your name into Google, which I always do when I'm, uh, you know, meeting somebody for the first time. And I watched a really uh, pretty neat interview that was on. There's about an hour long. Um, I, I'm not sure what kind of interview it was, but you were in your uh, uniform and it was just a lot of questions about your your past and different things. Is that like an exit interview or something or? Uh, no, I was a uh, formal uniform, right? Yes. Yeah. And you had your medals, of course. And Yeah, it was uh, actually there was a, a colonel that uh, did a in the military that did a uh a movie a documentary on uh reservists in uh overseas on deployments okay yeah i don't remember all the details right now uh it's been a while That's uh, okay. <laughs> yeah uh, all i remember is that uh i asked them to film me from about here up because i i had uh gained quite a bit of weight <laughs> at the time so yeah that's all right. It happens. And so yeah. he mentioned, or you mentioned that you actually volunteered for both terms overseas. Did you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, uh, tell me why I like, I'm not military. And if, if there's any questions you don't want to answer, you just tell me, of course, but I just, um, so like, um, what would possess somebody, I guess, to, to volunteer, to go over? Um, it's, uh, wow. I don't know. You seemed yeah. excited about it, which I thought was really neat. Like it, it was kind of your passion, something you wanted to do with absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've I've been uh, immersed in in uh, a, a bit of a military culture my entire life. I mean, my uh, grandma, uh, one of my grandmas, taught me how to shoot when I was like four or five. Okay. Right? Yeah, and uh, you know, she was uh, air defense uh, during World War Two. So uh, that's kind of my upbringing, right, is uh, playing with, uh, with uh, like I said, stick stones and explosives and stuff like that, whatever we could dig up um, in, in the trenches. Um, yeah, and, and uh, uh, well, I don't know, what else can I say? Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's neat. And so, yeah, yeah. Um... You obviously enjoyed it or, or felt passionate about it enough to go back for a second term then era. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but so you went to Afghanistan after that? Absolutely. And I mean, um, I was uh, 26 at the time. I was uh, full of warrior spirit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I still am. But at the time I was more capable, right? I was young. I was fit. I was full of vinegar, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that was, uh, you know, I was just eager to go. I just sure. wanted I wanted to uh, do good things, right? Yeah. Do you feel like, well, yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah. So um, you were, I, I noticed too, um, I, well, I had a guy on the show a while back. His name's Dave Jones. He was from the, uh, um, the U.S. military and he was, uh, he calls himself the NBC guy. 
and not for the national broadcast channel or whatever, but it was for, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. So, and I, um, yours said, was it CBRN? Is that right? Yeah. CBRN and uh, the extended version is CBRNE. Okay. And what does that stand for? Uh, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive. Okay. That's a, and how do you become a specialist in that sort of thing? Uh, well, I, uh, I did a specialty course in the military, um, uh, quite an extensive course and, you know, um, lots of fun, you know, going for runs and gas masks and stuff like that, you know, um, going for nice long hikes with, uh, your bunny suits on in, in plus 30. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, we spent a couple of days like in the gas hut uh, uh, and nothing but, you know, getting gassed and gassing each other and stuff like that. So it was uh, quite the experience, um, right? And uh, that was my military uh, uh, training besides the, the regular uh, training that uh, every soldier gets in, uh, for those type of situations. And then uh, when I was working as a paramedic, uh, I, uh, I uh, specialized in, uh, as an incident response paramedic. Uh, I also... Uh, had uh, a specialty CBRNE um, training uh, through uh, through the EMS system. And, really? Uh, yeah. So I didn't even realize they did that sort. Of, well, I guess that makes sense, but that would be highly specialized in the uh, e EMS or that kind of uh, system. Would it be? Um, it is. It is, and it uh, you know it takes specialized equipment. Uh, you know when we uh, when we had the Ebola scare uh, prior to COVID. Yes. Um, right. It, it's been quite a while, but, uh, you know, I remember that I'd have to go in in full yellow bunny suits, you know, come completely encapsulated and, you know, go uh, treat people and identify whether they're, uh, you know, a risk to everybody else and stuff like that. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it's been quite the experience, right, in many different ways. Have you had more? I don't. Um, I guess it depends on if people know about your history or not. But have you had a few questions more recently regarding that kind of thing from people, or not too bad? Uh, sure. You know, yeah. once uh, absolutely. You know, once uh, um, the the term CBRN started, uh, you know, uh, I guess being thrown around on the news and stuff like that. When it comes to my course, uh, a lot of people did start asking questions about it. Right? There is quite a bit of interest. You know, it's uh, it's not. I don't think it's the you know the chemical and the nuclear and stuff like that. I think it's the biological at this point in time, right? Uh, maybe nuclear as well. Some people are worried about nuclear fallout and possibility of right. It's uh, you never know what's going to happen, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, people are curious. That's for sure. So the biological, more like um, pandemics, that kind of thing. Pandemic epidemics, right? Um, I mean, uh, it seems like there's always something going on, right? Sure. And, yeah, it does. Yeah. And not only that, but I mean, if you're a traveler, right, then, uh, you're going to run into a lot more of these, uh, situations, right? Um, so, it, you know, you can, uh, you can be at risk and yeah, it's nice to know these things. Were you, um, were you, were you a paramedic when SARS came through? Or were you uh, still military? Do you remember? Cause that, that was pretty, I remember that being fairly, it, it it seemed like it had the potential to be quite serious at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, geez, SARS, I, what year was it? I, 
That's what I was trying. I, you know what? I think it was longer ago than I thought because I, I, I remember my buddy, he volunteered in Ontario uh, checking people into the hospital, you know, like because they were screen, pre screening or whatever. Yeah. And we we're still in university. So never mind. Yeah, that would have been like 2003, 2002. Yeah. So that, yeah, that would have been pre. Yeah, that's before my EMS days. But yeah, I was around during the swine flu and, um, you know, when that happened and uh, what else? Uh, you know, many meningital outbreaks and this and that that were kind of more localized. And, you know, so, uh, like I said, epidemics, uh, um, you know, some things uh, localized to hospitals even, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got a, a Jaggy here. He, he's a military veteran from over in Scotland. He said we called it uh, NBCD and nothing better than wearing a naughty suit and gas, 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 he said. Oh, it's, uh, you know what? It is nothing better <laughs> for some <laughs> uh, Personally, I don't know why, but I enjoy it. Um, I don't know if it's a sense of morbidity or if, uh, you know, if if it's the, um, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I actually enjoy it and I find it worthwhile. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, there's even specialized uh uh, special operations in Edmonton, in Edmonton, in uh, Canada, in okay. that deal just with CBRNE. Um, yeah, the, the CGIRU. Okay, I so I got to ask you a question. So we're like, um, I kind of probably filled you in a little bit, but you know, we're we're a preparedness channel, right? So uh, a lot of what we do, we're mostly preppers around here, in in the good sense, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I'm gonna. Uh, We'll get back to the school part, but I was just going to pick your brain while we're talking about this. But, um, and maybe this is outside of that. But so I live kind of like, you know, part of what we do is think about what the most likely disaster could be that might, you know, something could happen. Right. And, um, I mean, this is probably a little further out there, but do you know the hardesty tank farm? You know, where they, uh, it's in the big oil, like where they store all the oil and stuff. So, a few years back when I first I've lived out here about 10 years and there was a fire there the first year that I uh, lived here. So do you ever, um, do you ever deal with that kind of stuff? Like, cause I'm up here, of course, the oil patch and everything, but um, do you ever deal with responding to oil fires, petroleum fires, that kind of thing as well? Or uh, nothing that serious. I responded to house fires. Okay. Uh, right. And uh, th- that's a different story than you're dealing with cyanide poisoning and stuff like that. Right um and then you know that's what you got to be ready for but uh you know as far as like major chemicals and and, and things like that i've never had the opportunity okay um, yeah uh, uh, the the most training and the most uh, experience and exposure i've had was uh in getting gassed in the military with uh with cs gas right so, um, so is that, and this is a dumb question. You can just laugh at me, of course, but it, do they, do they use real gas ever? Or is it just something that smells? Well, it's, well, it's, it's, it's tear gas. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you choke and you tear and you cough and you, you know, it's, it's not pleasant at all. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, but everybody's got to experience it, right? I suppose if you don't experience it, you don't know what you're dealing with, right? No, and it's not just a matter of, uh, you know, being encapsulated and having your gas mask on in the environment. You actually have to walk into the environment with your gas mask off and feel the effects of uh, um, of, of the, the gas before you, you know, go and do your drills of uh, donning your, 
your uh, mask and your suit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Martinson family, they're, they're uh, a family from Manitoba. They said they, uh, we built, you might know what this is, MGB bridges. Do you know what? Yeah, it's a medium girder bridge. It's a, yeah, it's a fantastic bridge and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of teamwork. Uh, and uh, in top high means that uh, they were wearing their bunny suits and, uh, you know, helmets and all their gear and gas masks. Um, and I'm not surprised. I've heard, uh, you know, people doing that. It's, uh, um, it's pretty extreme training, I would say, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool yeah that's really cool and we got uh jake here too every it doesn't always you, you never who all is going to show up but jake um if i believe he's still over i want to say in korea he's he's military as well right at the moment so he'll he'll be back soon stateside i think he's getting ready to retire but it's good to see him they're all on weird time uh time zones but it's nice they all managed to show up tonight so that's kind of cool that's pretty cool so let's, yeah. So, okay. Um, I was on Facebook maybe about a month ago or whatever. And I seen a, um, it was a CBC article and I don't always, don't always read CBC articles, but sometimes I do. And uh, <laughs> so I found this one and it was for the, see if I get it right. The Edmonton apocalypse, uh, apocalypse preparedness and survival school. Is that right? That's correct. Nice. So tell me about that. I piqued my interest. So then I reached out to you, of course, cause I'm always looking to find people nearby yeah. us right and uh i'd love to i want to promote you number one but i just wanted to hear your story because i i love picking people's brains and hearing stories you know so so yeah tell me where that started the whole yeah wherever you want to start with it uh i uh when i retired from the military and from uh ems um you know i i um, i went back into um uh, into school um okay. and uh you know, after a while, I, I thought that, you know, I have all these uh, these skills that I acquired over the years, right? And they're life-saving skills and they're interesting skills, right? And they're skills that, uh, you know, you don't get it. And not many people get an opportunity to learn unless you're in the military or in EMS, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, these are skills that the average person just uh, doesn't have the opportunity to learn, right? So um, I love educating. I love empowering people. I love teaching, you know, uh, life-saving skills and, uh, I wanted to teach. That's the biggest thing. Right. And I had, I had things to teach. Right. So I thought, Hey, I, you know, I, I could make a business out of this and, and help people, uh, you know, um, acquire life-saving skills and, you know, I'd have a good time doing it and everybody else would have a good time doing it. Right. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, originally I was going to call my business apocalypse now, but then my lawyer was like, no, <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. You know? So yeah, I, I thought, you know, apocalypse preparedness and survival school, because uh, that's kind of what, what we do. We prepare people for the, the worst case scenario, right. Um, and everything in between. That's really cool. I was going to ask you where the name came from. So I appreciate you sharing that. So, so um, are, would, would you consider yourself, at least somewhat of a prepper or someone somewhat into preparedness then if you're teaching it or yeah absolutely i mean it's an interest of mine right i like to uh upkeep upkeep my skills um you know even though i'm not working in the um in the military or in ems in the field anymore so um 
you know, I like uh, kit. I like equipment. I like checking stuff out and comparing things and, you know, doing research on it. So, you know, um, I, I like, uh, you know, being outside. I like being outdoors. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it all plays uh, plays together for me, you know. So what do you, um, do you have an EDC? Do you have an everyday carry knife that you carry with you or? Um, no, only in the field. Okay. Right on. Yeah, only yeah. In the field. Do you have one? You said you like to check out different types of gear. So do you, uh, anything that you, uh, what do you recommend for a knife? What's your, what's your go-to? Uh, well, I got a, a pretty nice, um, it's called the turret, I believe. Hmm. And it's, uh, sorry, it's not a Bushmaster. It's on the tip of my brain. That's okay. No worries. Sorry, I put you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. It's actually, yeah. But I, I got a pretty, pretty swanky knife that, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, good steel. You know, it's got uh, a good spring on it. It's uh, okay. one-handed operation all the way. So, yeah. What do you look for in a good knife? Or what should a person look for in one? Hmm. Um, definitely the steel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, usually the breaking point is that, uh, is at the hinge, right? Cause I, on the jackknife, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's usually your weakest point, right? So, I mean, uh, look for reinforcement there. Um, make sure it's stable, make sure it doesn't wiggle. Right. And yeah, I mean, if you go for a knife, you get what you pay for, uh, of <laughs> course. You know, um, so you buy one off the uh, at at the checkout counter at Cabela's then for two ninety nine. Well, yeah, then you know the first time you go to use it, it's probably going to fall apart on you, unfortunately. Yeah, or injure you. Yeah, yeah. So what do you what do you guys teach at uh, at the school? What what kind of because you got what? There's three instructors, is there? Yes, there's uh, myself, a gentleman named Dallas, uh, who is. Uh, and uh an ex uh, special forces operator as well okay and uh i have a gentleman that's just an absolute bushmaster i mean he lives in the in the bush right it's what he knows and yeah this gentleman's name is jason okay um, yeah and uh yeah a, a couple of the the smartest uh people i know right so what all so it's um a two day two day course right you know first day is more um, um, technical or like uh, like book book learning and a little bit of hands-on but indoor stuff is it that's right so first day is in the classroom right and uh, the second day is in the field so the first day is uh, yeah the the lectures powerpoint presentations which actually are pretty short and uh, and pretty to the point um, so you know we we keep we keep the boredom at a minimum level and we keep the um uh, the actual skills and interaction, um, you know, at, uh, its highest importance. Um, so yeah, we do, you know, we start off with talking about gear and we show uh, a good example of a go bag and all the equipment that goes with it. Right. We talk about, you know, house stock. We talk about, uh, you know, prepping your house for a CBRN event. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you, um, can you elaborate a bit on that? Do you mind uh, chatting a bit about what you would, what a person would do? Um, well, the, the first thing, of course, you want to do is, uh, you know, uh, seal. Okay. Right? Build the cracks, seal around the, the windows. If, if, uh, 
you know, you have uh, duct tape, use that. If you have something like shrink wrap, use that. Or you can have a dedicated uh, window, uh, kind of like shrink wrap that comes, uh, yeah, pre-rolled and everything, right? Um, you want to seal as much of your house as possible. You want to shut off the chimney intake. You want to shut off the, um, you know, all, all the fans, uh, uh, all the fans that you can actually shut off or close off. All right. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into too much detail because then I'm going to go on a on a tangent here. But it's okay. Uh, <laughs> you can take as long as you need. No biggie. Yeah. If you can uh, somehow hyper pressurize your house, um, let's say uh, you know if you have a um, well, like what I actually what I suggest is is having something like a grow tent and hyper pressurizing that and living in a grow tent. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, a house is too big to actually protect adequately from a major event. Okay. Right? Talking chemical or biological, that's very, you know, perhaps very uh, uh, virulent and uh, very, um, uh, well, uh, getting back to the point, if you just get a grow tent, right? And instead of having a big fan that takes the the air in the tent and purifies it so you don't get the smell yes right in the house and stuff like that right what you do is you take the um the same uh fan supply or the air supply right and you take it outside and you push air in through a filter oh right? okay so pressurizing the tent and all the leaks that are in it are the air is getting pushed out it's like negative pressure then is that is, or is that is that the right positive term? Pressure. Positive pressure. Sorry. Yeah. So, so nothing can get in so that you don't maybe have to be quite as careful about some leaks because you're literally pushing that, everything out. You know, that, that's the, the best, I mean, that's the ultimate, I think, uh, you know, as far as just general preparedness goes, right. That That's, uh, you know, that's pretty much as good as you can go without actually, you know, building a CBRN bunker or something like that. Right. That, so, I never, I've never heard somebody say that before. Two things. I've, 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 I've listened to a lot of people. Nobody's ever mentioned chimneys either. It's something simple, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, kitchen fans, bathroom fans, things like that. Right. Would it, um, I mean, I guess anything's better than nothing, but like for bathroom fans, could you haul the grate down and shove like towels or cloths up in there? Would that help? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. If you can, uh, get, uh, moist, if you can get wet towels and stuff like that out there, right, um, then that usually, you know, the moisture will block uh, uh, whatever is is going to create more of a barrier as well, okay. right? Yeah, things like that, right? And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, in a CBRN event, I mean, there's not much you can do against certain types of radiation, uh, right? But, I mean, as far as everything else goes, um, yeah, isolating your house, is uh you know is is would be your priority so if you could is, is a grow tent could you have that set up in like a large living room uh, if you wanted or would it be yeah, more or, in, or in a basement right i i'd suggest in a basement because it's uh it's cool it gives you you know more overhead protection and stuff like that from shrapnel or anything that might accompany an attack or an event okay um yeah uh, and, uh, you know, that's where you can keep your water barrel uh, or something like that, right? Or your water supply is in the basement as well. Um, 
you know, that's that'd be the general setup, right? That's really cool. That's simple. I love I love things that are simple but work. You know that that's yeah. cool. Yeah. And so then, if you if you needed to come out or whatever, would you? Uh, so obviously, not everyone's going to have you know high tech. Would you like said bunny suits or whatever? But would like a tie tie or tie par suit? Would that help? Yeah, and it depends on the type of, of uh, situation and the type of I guess pollutant on, or or substance that you're dealing with. Right. But uh, once again, I mean, you want to you want to be sealed properly. And that's where things like, you know, my, my course come into play is that we teach the equipment and how to seal yourself. OK. Uh, how to encapsulate yourself in order to be able to, for short periods of time, do what you have to do in order to survive and then get back to shelter. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what else do you, um, what else do you teach on the first day? Kind of give me a rundown of the different courses so people kind of have an idea. Sure. Uh, so yeah, after the equipment and, uh, some preparedness, uh, uh, we talk about field considerations, which is okay. your hydration, nutrition, uh, a little bit of hygiene and a little bit of tactical perspective as well. Right. So we talk about, you know, how, why things are seen, the, you know, the uh, reasons why things are seen. Um, and uh, because you don't always want to be identified, you don't always want to be seen. Right. And we teach that in our course that, you know, if there is an angry mob or something like that, that you're trying to evade or, you know, if there's mass lootings or whatever's going on, you might not always want to be found. Right? right. So, yeah. So we teach, you know, a little bit about that as well teach it a little bit about post-battlefield dangers, so unexploded ordinances and things like that. You never know where you're going to find yourself in or, sure. or visiting or traveling or, you know. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we touch on things like that as well. Um, after that, we go into map, compass, and GPS navigation. Okay. So, yeah, the map and compass, um, that takes quite a bit of time, actually, because of things like, uh, we teach things like declination. Mm-hmm. and declination i'm not sure how many people are familiar with that but there's three different types of north and if you don't know which one is you know how uh, how they operate and how they play out then your map and your compass are, are not going to work together and that's i, I my, my dad of course you know he taught me some about using a compass because he used to hunt and he he was all about a map and a compass but anybody kind of our generation and up really has had very little experience with a map or a compass, you know, for the most part. Yeah, we follow the arrows, right? I'm guilty of it too all the time. I go to Edmonton and uh, I I bring up Google Maps and the little lady that has the voice in there tells me where to go. (laughs) And so instead of paying attention to landmarks, I just, every single time, oh, go here to get to South Common, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So I, I, I love it, but at the same time, you know, um, you know, it might not always be there. Right. And I, I, I totally like, I'm, I'm a big fan of technology. I love using it, but it, again, like you said, if, if you don't have some sort of backup or skill behind it, you'd be shit out of luck. If it uh, does, you know, if, <laughs> if, if for whatever reason it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, uh, it's one of those things where you, you know, you have to know the basics before you, you can work with, uh, you know, things that are a little bit more complex, right? And if you know the basics, then you can, uh, you know, you can build on that. And, you know, we teach basically everything from how to build your own compass, right? With uh, with your, uh, you know, sewing kit, 
right? Mm -hmm. And a puddle of water, right? And uh, all the way to, you know, how to change declination, how to bypass obstacles using a compass and, you know, how to find your place on the map using, you know, bisections and triangulation and things like that, right? So, yeah, we get pretty complicated. That's cool. I, yeah. uh, um, oh, let's, I'll bring this up. You'll probably know. Uh, Jaggy wants to know, does the course go um, S-E-R-E? You know, is that evade? And what, uh, Jaggy, if you're still listening, um, just type out what that means in case. Yeah, it might, yeah, it might be a, he's Scottish, you know, so I give him a hard time because he, he speaks a different language than we do, right? But <laughs> um, I'm going to bring this up while he's doing who He said, and you can buy a respirator in a date sealed filter to make sure your respirator fits. Uh, you can pick up online secondhand, reasonably priced. Are the, um, I'm not Have sure second hand unless it's it's uh it's Maybe a brand new one second hand. Okay, like old stock or whatever, you know, new old stock they call it or whatever. Yeah, like war stock or something like that, right? Um, Is there anywhere in Edmonton, for instance, to get that kind of stuff? Uh there's a, a the only shop that actually sells tactical CBRN gear is called Line of Fire. Hmm. Or LOF. And, okay. Uh, yeah, they carry um some uh yeah some pretty good gear some uh i mean ever since ukraine started happening right their gear just disappeared right everybody bought it out but when they do have gear they have pretty good quality stuff you know okay that's good yeah because um a buddy of mine recommended mirror safety products online and he, yeah. he's but uh geiger counters and uh radiometer radiometers right there you have, can't get them even if you wanted to right now that kind of stuff yeah absolutely yeah um, oh, okay. He says, uh, Jaggy says, uh, always have to have back to basic skills to map and compass. Just don't give the map to an officer, he said. <laughs> and yeah, unfortunately, I've seen it happen too. You know, I've had some switched on officers, but then I've had ones where, you know, uh, march you on a back bearing on a compass for a few kilometers and then, you know, uh, pull their phone out and try to figure out where they are using the Google Maps or whatever right in the field. <laughs> that's when you know that, you know, you're in trouble. That's like when you go to outpatients and you see the doctor on WebMD, you know, you probably should go to a different hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there it is. Escape and evasion. I thought it might be something like that. Um, not, we've uh, thought about that. Um, and we were thinking about, you know, making that of a, a part of a, a bigger course. A I was... Big yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask you that if maybe you, like, um, cause of course, eventually people who do part one or do your course, you know, they have a basic level. So if you give some thought to like grade two kind of stuff or advanced, uh, we have, and, uh, at first, you know, we want to get this, uh, this, uh, initial course going, uh, right. And, uh, we actually ended up renaming it from apocalypse survival course to the, uh, critical conditions survival course. Okay. I think it more represents, uh, you know, what uh, what we're dealing with and what we're trying to teach. Might right. um, appeal to a broader audience too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so, uh, you know, the the next uh, stage would be to develop uh, single day courses for us. Okay. Right. So uh, more more detailed courses, like one day just on navigation, one day just on CBRNE, just one day just on you know, on tactical uh, considerations oh, right? yeah. and things like uh, situational awareness, right? 
Uh, and then, you know, we're thinking about doing like a, a more advanced course with uh, an overnighter and one of those things where, you know, you have to navigate to find your food, right? And, and, and stuff like that. So it's going to be a little bit more interesting. I'd love to take the situational awareness course. That'd be great. I, I That's an area that I struggle in. I, I try, you, you, you know, you always, especially when you're in the city, but I'm bad for, I'll be sitting like the other day I was in Calgary and I was sitting there on my phone waiting for my wife at Walmart, had my window down just typing away. And all of a sudden some homeless guy come or lady come right up to the window. Do you have a cigarette on you? Never even seen her coming. It's my own damn fault. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's easy to be a little bit complacent. Right. And, uh, yeah, my, uh, one of my instructors, um, Dallas, the, the gentleman from, uh, uh, from, uh, special operations, uh, he's going to be, um, developing a, a lot of the program. Okay. Right. He's got the background knowledge. He's the subject matter expert. So he's going to be working on that with uh, with me as well quite a bit. So, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to some good programs coming up, but not till next year, you know. Oh, yeah. Everything um, takes time, right? <laughs> you know, wintertime, we're, we're probably not going to be running any courses because it's hard to get people out in minus 30. It's hard to predict the weather um, in the, in the wintertime as well, right? Um you know, eventually, maybe if uh, enough people show interest, we'll do some winter stuff, right? But uh, for now, it's going to be our time to develop more courses and stuff like that. That's what I do. I do snow removal in the winter. And, you know, my I do a lot of landscaping and stuff in the summer. So you're busy. But in the winter, that's when we... <laughs> I, I guess that's the pattern of life up here where the, the cold can kill you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So sure. what else do you do? Um, did, did we cover the full first day or are there anything else in uh, there? No, in the first day we finish off with, uh, after uh, map compass and GPS navigation, uh, we don't finish off yet, actually. We go into uh, medical trauma first aid. Okay. Um, so we cover um, the, the Israeli bandage, first of all, uh, just uh, so people get an idea of some of the tools out there, right, for, they have for uh, first aid. Then we cover the uh, tourniquet, so combat application tourniquet and, uh, and an improvised tourniquet. Uh, then we do uh, suturing, and then we do wound packing, okay. um, so arterial wound packing. Um, so uh, we have, uh, you know, a small PowerPoint presentation, and then everything else is just skills, practice, 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 right? And uh, a lot of people actually find it quite uh, interesting, and, and um, especially the wound packing, people don't realize that, you know, somebody can bleed out to death within a couple of minutes. And while they're doing this skill... And they're, you know, it's frustrating because they're trying to, you know, their fingers deep in, in, in a wound, trying to find a bleeding artery, right? And time's ticking and time's ticking and time's ticking, right? While they're, look, while they're feeling for, you know, the pulsating artery and stuff like that. So it's uh, very realistic. We have some very good uh, equipment to work with, right? Yeah. And the suturing, I mean, it's uh, as close as we can get to, you know, real skin and, 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 um, you know, and, and yeah, tourniquets, I mean, that's, uh, um, that's a, a pretty interesting and pretty, I think, essential skill in itself when that's not taught, you know, generally. I, I came back from, I was in uh, Tennessee here, uh, about a month ago, a little less. And, um, I met a, a, well, a new friend while I was there, a guy that's a paramedic and he, he carries a tourniquet with him wherever he goes. And he, he did a quick little video for me to show me how to use one. Cause I'd never, you know, I'd never 
used one before, right? And it was pretty interesting at how how tight and how you know his um his hand was I want to say kind of purpley or whatever, and then it kind of went I guess almost gray. <laughs> yeah. Long. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you you know it goes numb, and then you can't feel it, and then you can't move it after a while. And um, in in Afghanistan, our our drivers would have tourniquets on both their legs because usually they're they're the ones that would. Uh, hit uh, they would be hit the hardest and they would usually they're the closest to the ground um usually they're the ones that would lose their legs um, uh, yeah so our drivers basically kept the tourniquets the combat application tourniquets already on their legs and when an incident happened all they had to do was just t- tighten them right we'd give them like some like a fentanyl lollipop and they just sit there and chill out until the medics got to them right so i mean those things are absolutely life-saving um, when I worked as an oil field medic, um, there's some dangerous things going on there, you know, I'm not saying, you know, potentially, right. Yes. There's, there's a lot of potential, uh, uh, trauma there. And, uh, you know, as a paramedic, I might be responsible for an area where it takes me 10 minutes to get to somebody, right. If somebody's got an arterial wound or something like that, right. Uh, they might bleed out within minutes, right. Sure. Some- if you don't know what you're doing or if you don't know the basic skill of a tourniquet, right, um, you might see your, your buddy bleed to death. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. So um, were, the, were the tourniquets, were they, uh, were they built right into their uniform in Afghanistan or did they just put them on before they would drive? No, no you just put them on over top of your uniform. Okay. Over top of your legs or your pants, yeah. Did you ever have any issues where they needed to be used or... Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. That's crazy. Well, in, in wartime, that's that's a very common injury, right? It's a very common wound. Sorry, you don't get injured in in where you get wounded. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, very common, right? There's a lot of things blowing up around you, and uh, a lot of a lot of bleeding going on, right? So yeah, tourniquets are, uh, I'd say, one of the first uh, and foremost used tools in combat and um i know it's an awful thing to even talk about but it seems to be in the news lately again with school shootings and that sort of thing Um, i probably wouldn't be a bad thing for me to teach my kids either (laughs) just thinking about it you know unfortunately but yeah and yeah an improvised tourniquet is very easy to you to make and use you know uh jaggy said uh never give your uh tq to someone else uh if you have to give it to someone make sure you carry an extra is that something yeah and and that's the thing i mean in wartime everybody knows where their tourniquet is it's all in the same place for everybody right it's all uh standardized um and um and if you go up to somebody that needs a a, a medical attention and a tourniquet right then you take theirs and put it on them right is how it works um just like if you know you're able to put it on yourself if you lose a, a and a an extremity right then you use yours on yourself right it's always self-aid and then buddy aid right it's um, the um that's the uh, the airplane mindset right put your oxygen mask on first or you'll be no good to anybody that's right, that's right that's right yeah um are, are tourniquets are you able to put them on one-handed or is that difficult yeah, yeah, yeah. they're a one-hand operation yeah okay so then uh from there where where does the rest of that first day what what other uh things uh, then, 
another short PowerPoint presentation about an introduction. It's more of an introduction in the basics of CBRN. We don't cover the E part, the explosives part. We just cover the CBRN. Okay. Uh, the E part, the explosives, we kind of touch on about the, during the battlefields dangers, right? Um, but we don't talk, you know, about things like improvised explosive devices and, and uh, you know, and uh, pressure cooker bombs or anything like that, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, so we talk about uh, CBRE, CBR and uh, the principles, how to protect yourself, right? And then uh, about decontamination, about performance degradation. And uh, then, uh, you know, we go through... Uh, skills on how to properly the order of putting your equipment on right because that's important right yep. the order of taking it off so you don't cross contaminate yourself right that's very important um and uh you know we do some exercises of uh to show you some of the, the performance degradation while encapsulated right so you know put on this tourniquet while you know you're fogged up in this in this gas mask with these giant rubber gloves on, right? And, and you know, you're trying to put a tourniquet on somebody or, you know, try to shoot a, a navigation bearing or something like that, or even look, you know, operate your phone, the map on your phone, right? With, with a rubber glove on, right? Things like that. So it's, uh, yeah, we, we try to show some examples of, of you know, how, uh, how it's going to affect you as well. Some kind of real world or practical kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, it wasn't quite the same, but when I had to get uh, gas fitted or, um, you know, proper fitted for my gas mask when I worked in the oil patch, they wanted you to be able to put the, uh, put your mask on and then put your can, I think it was the canisters they wanted you to be able to put on without looking at them. And yeah. that was tricky because everything had to be backwards, you know, it was, you know, it, it didn't feel right anyway to try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, you know, it, we don't get into details like that or into uh, quite into that much uh, detail. Uh, what we would like to do is just make this as an introductory experience, right? Mm -hmm. so there's a lot to learn about it. And then we, we would like to develop a full day course about it as well eventually. Just right? on NBC or just, yeah, Just on CBRN. Yeah. Nice. That would be, that would be great too. You guys, you guys could run an entire school there eventually. And you know what? That's the plan. Eventually, that's I love it. This is great. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So then, day two is more outdoor practical. Um, yeah. So day two, we meet at a location uh, just twenty minute, minutes east of Edmonton in a provincial rec area. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we, uh, you know, we do a little bit of map work. We get ready for the day, right? Have some coffee, have some donuts, make sure everybody's got, you know, some some uh, calories in them and stuff like that. And then we head off on a, uh, a three and a half kilometer, which ends up being, you know, we, we kind of zigzag a little bit depending on the ground conditions and stuff like that. But it, it ends up being about uh, five kilometers. Yes, sir. Uh, usually, and it takes us, you know, three, four hours, depending on how everybody's doing and the pace that we're going at, right? Um, and uh, yeah, we, we do a 12-leg uh, 12 navigation course, right? So everybody's got uh, a chance to uh, be the lead navigator and kind of get everybody else to the next point, okay. um, right? And, uh, you know, we, we uh, of course, we go through pacing and, you know, how to find your distance on the ground and things like that, right? So it's, uh, yeah, it's 
the, the navigation portion is probably my favorite part, right? Because everybody's out walking and you feel great and healthy and right. And there's uh yeah, you're you're doing cross country stuff and you know, halfway through we stop and uh we do a water purification um uh little uh stand where uh you know we we pull water out of the the pond and filter it through different methods and kind of show everybody you know what the different methods look like you know this bag of this water versus bag of this water right um and little uh tips and you know tricks like that about uh you know getting water out um and then uh close to the end about you know usually about one o'clock so that usually takes us near the end of the navigation course while we're still in the field we have a, a nice uh kind of military ration uh lunch right yeah a nice warm one you know um just a one with a ration heater and yeah. a chemical ration heater and you know a nice uh, meal ready to eat for everybody so everybody can enjoy that and kind of get the field meal experience right yeah my daughter took a Alice. I have twin. Uh, they're twelve now, and she took a kick a while back where she wanted to eat MREs. So we'd go to like the military surplus and we'd buy a case of them, right? And we'd come back and we'd test them all. They're they're pretty damn good. The Canadian ones weren't they anywhere. Are good actually. The Amer the American ones are pretty good too. They're all getting really good. You know, uh, when I was going through paramedic school. Um, my uh, quartermaster at the time was, uh, you know, instead of chucking the expired rations, he used to give them to me so I could, uh, eat, you know, eat uh, during paramedic school, right? Oh. And I, I survived just fine, right? Yeah, yeah. I survived just fine. What's your favorite one? Uh, definitely not the ham, steak, and pineapple. I can say oh, that. Gross. <laughs> um, but I like... Uh, Wow, the breakfast sausages is probably my favorite. Right? Is that the um, the chopped up like ground um, loose sausage? No, no it's just sausage links. It's okay. just sausage links. Yeah, just links. It's crazy how good that stuff is! Hey, like it. You it's don't think a little packet like that? Yeah, every one of those meals has like three thousand calories in them, right? So if you eat your full three meals a day, then you're gaining a lot of weight, or you're or you're using a lot of energy. Let me tell you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The um, what did we have in there? There was a chocolate drink. I think it was like a cold chocolate drink, and then there was, uh, of course, there's the coffee and different things. But I, I I enjoyed it. We we had fun. We I think we went through a whole case of them. Might have a couple more on the shelf still, but they're yeah, yeah that's neat. Um, I always looked forward to them. You know what uh, you said? Water purification. What um what what's your go to method for? purifying water or what do you prefer or what do you yeah i guess well it, it kind of depends on the situation right uh but my my uh my hand pump filter is is uh you know i got a swiss army one uh okay. beautiful yeah beautiful yep. piece of kit and uh, uh the only thing is that you know when you when you purify it, just about anything, right? You get the taste, right? So you can carry some uh, uh, some taste enhancers or something like that with uh, you know with your water purification. But um, you know the iodine pills or the water purification pills. Uh, I, I like the iodine ones because in the case of nuclear fallout or something like that or a nuclear uh, disaster, um, you know you can hyper uh, uh, hypersaturate your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And uh, so during something like that or a potential, I would probably stick, you know, to the um, to the pills, although 
I mean, you, you don't want to, in an environment like that, you don't want to drink irradiated water either, right? So you got to make sure you got a clean water source, right? But that uh, you're using those uh, pills and protecting your thyroid with the iodine, right? So this, pro without some sort of Geiger counter or something, how, how would you know? Is there, there's probably no way to know. Is there or is there? Uh, just, uh, I mean, nothing's going to happen spontaneously. That's the thing. Sure. The situation will dictate right? yeah. whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's uh, something that happens, you know, in Europe and the cloud kind of moves over to us or something that happens in the U.S. and the cloud moves up or, you know, uh, something that just happens in Canada, if you're on Ontario or, you know, somewhere where there is, uh, you know, those types of power plants. Right. So, I mean, you will know that something is going on. Right. The thing That's is that. You, you got to know how to act and what to do. And you got to be prepared for that. Right. That's good. Yeah. So information and a plan. Right. And that's where people, I think, lack the most, you know, lack might be a, a strong word, but I think where, you know, they uh, um, maybe are even a little naive. Right. Sure. To, to, uh, about these things. Right. Uh, I mean, it's I think it's things that are uncommon, but possible. Yes. Yeah. A, they're, in, they're absolutely in the realm of possible, you know, possible. So, um, yeah. I'm a big fan of number I mean, everything we teach here is being prepared for the most common and most likely thing, you know, so <laughs> being financially prepared for a job loss, you know, look, yeah. looking at yourself, health, you know, your health the best you can. But yeah. once you have all of those things taken care of, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, dealing with or, or looking at some of the more re remote possibilities at that point and think, Hey, I'd love to be prepared for these things too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I grew, I grew up uh, across the Bay of Fundy from Point Lepro. So there, you know, we, I always had it in the back of, not that it was ever an issue, but I was always, you know, Oh, it's a nuclear power plant, 40 miles straight across the water, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful country, by the way. I love it there. Yes. I, yeah, I, I grew, I, we like, we've been here 10 years, but I, I lived in Nova Scotia for, yeah, first 30 years of my life are a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time in New Brunswick. So Nova Scotia was uh, uh, one of my favorite go tos. Where did you, where did you live in? Uh, Gage. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know if you, you know this, but I spent a summer um, in Boys Town, which isn't very far from Gage Town. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's funny. Canada is such a small, it's such a big, but a small country at the same time. Eh? It's true. Yeah, I got a few questions here for you. Uh, where did okay, Jaggy asked, um, do you go into the use of atropine pens and the recognition of atro atropine poisoning? Sorry, I don't know. No, we don't go that far in. We don't uh, go into uh, auto injectors or uh, counter medical countermeasures, right? Not at this level. And okay. uh, I mean, mostly like these medications are hard to get a, a, a hold of by uh, most people, right? You'd have to get them, you know, from an outside source, probably the U.S. or Mexico or something like that. And then there's expiry dates to deal with and things like that, right? So, I mean, uh, auto injectors, if they were, you know, I, I think the only way you'd use them is they were provided if they were provided by the government for public use, right? For sure. whatever reason, right? But we do uh, we do go through um, uh, nerve agent uh, signs and symptoms. Right. We do go through, uh, you know, how to recognize that uh, um, somebody has uh, poisoning from a nerve agent or you know, something like uh, organophosphate poisoning or something like that, which is, you know, basically uh, pretty close to the same thing. 
Um, yeah, so we do cover quite a bit. Just we don't go into the countermeasures just yet, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But maybe down the road or, you know, if you decide to to go deeper into that kind of stuff. Yeah, deeper. And I mean, atropine, yeah, using atropine is, uh, you know, to uh, counteract, uh, uh, you know, nerve agent uh, symptoms is, uh, signs and symptoms is one thing. And then, you know, going in even further and, and going into atropine uh, poisoning and overdose of atropine itself, right? That, that I mean, uh, that that's pretty deep paramedical uh, knowledge, right? So atropine is that is that a, a nerve agent counter agent or counter? Um... Yeah, it's a countermeasure. It's uh, basically it's a it's a blocking agent, so it blocks the the nerve agents from acting. Okay. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And is a nerve agent is that always something? man-made or is it is there something like that in nature as well that could bother you hmm um because when you say nerve agent of course my mind always goes to like the the old time you know like the russians and yeah 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 for sure um you know what uh outside of uh of chemical weapons and you know those are manufactured um i i don't think there is anything you know okay um yeah, not to my knowledge. I know, you know, they're used for plants and stuff like that, like organophosphates are, you know, basically a simple uh, nerve agents, right? And we spray them, right, onto fields and stuff like that, right? Oh, sure. So, yeah, things like that. Uh, but yeah, as far as occurring in nature, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, no, that's all right. I just, I wasn't sure. It was beyond my, uh, you know, um, <laughs> beyond my scope for sure. Yeah, I wonder if that'd be like a botany question or something like that. You know, if if yeah. uh, if this comes from like a plant or something natural that's uh, ground up or yeah, because I mean, CS gas is made from capsium, right? It's ground up uh, um, spice. Sure. <laughs> spice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then Ronald, this is a question, but he when you were talking about navigating there, um, we talked about maps. Said you'd never know when GPS could go down. Yeah, and there are very many reasons it could right everything sure. i mean and in a disaster time um you, you know your gps should work but in a time of war and if you're in a country where there is war right those uh signals might be getting jammed right by the government uh, um you know the the satellites aren't uh, most of them aren't publicly owned right gps satellites and stuff like that right yeah so, they they at least started with uh military right sorry to cut you yeah off. yeah yeah and i i'm pretty sure military has quite a bit of influence and control over that right so um you know they uh i know that the military has the possibility of you know basically making your signal say that you're a couple of kilometers away from where you really are right so really That's yeah situations i mean i i wouldn't trust gps in you know at uh at the best of time in an emergency like that you know yeah that's cool yeah. Uh, Ronald. Oh, well, um, oh, uh, Jaggy says he likes his Sawyer. Do you use a Sawyer at all for water purification or not? Um, no, 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 not a Sawyer kind of guy. No, that's okay. Uh, and yeah. Ronald asks about comms. Do you guys talk about communications at all much or no? It's not really. We would like to, uh, you, you know, know yeah. I mean, we do have comms with us just, you know, so we can communicate with each other. But we go in a little bit into uh, hand signals when we're navigating, right? Cool. So, yeah, I mean, you and you might have to send somebody far ahead, right? And then to, to, to kind of 
get them on your bearing, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have a, a landmark to um, or something prominent to go towards, you might have to put somebody up ahead to work to walk towards, right? And then you have to, you know, judging on your compass, left or right, you got to tell them, go left, go right. You know, instead of yelling, that's where you have to use hand signals and things like that, right? Uh, which gets pretty complex at night, for for instance, when, you know, you got to use glow sticks or whatever. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much as far as we go into communication. Um, but uh, we're thinking about doing actually a, a, a possible leadership component um, or a leadership uh, course as well, which would uh, incorporate a lot of communication into it because leadership, I mean, I think so much is, a, is communication that uh, it would be, uh, you know, one of the main parts of the course. Right. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, that would be. And um, I, another thing that uh, a lot of these, these even the online courses or the, the the experts in the preparedness field, a lot of them are from the U.S. too, right? And we have our very own specific challenges up here, you know, like just simple things like GMRS radios, uh, like the strength you can get up here is very, very minimal compared to what they have in the States, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it would be, yeah, that would be cool. I, I love the whole homegrown aspect of it too, because you know, there, there's not a lot of uh, Canucks in this field. So it's it's kind of cool. I appreciate it for sure. Yeah. And uh, I got to say that, you know, the the most challenging thing here in Canada um, is uh, the wintertime. It's, uh, you know, winter outdoors. Sure. Right. And it's uh, the most, uh, I think it's the most ignored one because, you know, nobody wants to do it because it's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's be real about it. It sucks. Yeah, right? it does. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but, but it's, you know, it's so many months of our, uh, of our climate up here. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I think, yeah, when it comes to, uh, the differences between the U S and Canada, I think that would, uh, be the biggest one in survival. I think you're right. And w my wife and I talked about that one night, we were having a long conversation about, you know, just say, for instance, the grid did go down for a long period of time or, or heaven, you know, heaven forbid that we didn't have natural gas, for instance. Yeah. You know what? Obviously, the pioneers did it or I say the pioneer, you know, 100, 150 years ago when they, you know, started coming out this way. But I can't imagine it would be a pretty miserable existence to make it through a winter here without any any grid tie at all for uh, heating and that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking there'd be a lot of uh, desperate people. Right? I think so. I think so too, you know, and, and uh, uh, I think, once again, that's an unlikely situation, I think, you know, but so. a possible one, but a yeah. possible one, right? Um, and uh, the thing is that, you know, if you travel and, uh, you know, if you leave the country, if you leave the area, right, if you go to new places and stuff like that, right? Um, you, you just, uh, you don't know what awaits you, right? <laughs> that is true. What, what are they, um, uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? And you're in, you're in a new situation where you've never dealt with, you know, whatever it could be, right? <laughs> yeah. I love to travel, but every time you're, you're somewhere, it just, we, a few years ago, we, we were in San Diego and we, we went down to the Mexican border and walked across to Tijuana for the day. And that was, uh, that was, that was just different, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you walk around and just yeah you don't know like i said you don't know what you don't know well i got a buddy that uh went to hmm uh, uh 
I'm not going to name the country, but it was uh, okay. at the time it was an uh, well, it's an African country that uh, you know he he saw a parade going on or something like that, right? A gathering or something like that, and he was you know he was a tourist, you know he wasn't you know sticking out like a sore thumb too much, but you know he went over to this parade, and you know it ended up being a demonstration, and then it ended up being yeah a anti-racial thing, and then next thing you know he was like evading like you know uh, uh like lynch mobs and stuff like that for the next uh you know few days until he could get uh get out on it you know i don't i don't know all the details about it but i mean he got himself into quite the pickle of just just being at the wrong place wrong wrong time right and yeah. um do you guys talk about you mentioned it a little bit but um things like uh civil unrest or, or large crowds that sort of thing or maybe we touch on it. We would like to do, like I said, a separate course on the tactical uh, considerations of, uh, of survival, you know. It, um, have you ever been uh, downtown? I forget what the place is called, but it, it's where you go if you want to join the military. And they also, they also have the passport office. It's a big... Yeah, uh, Canada place here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, three, four years ago, uh, before COVID, my wife and I went down to renew our passports. And, you know, you come down... I think you come either up or down from where the parking was and we come out of the doors literally right into a protest. There was, um, I, I can't remember what, it doesn't even matter what it was, just the fact that we step out of the elevator and there's hundreds of people there chanting and carrying on. And it was just, it was totally unexpected. Yeah. And that's in your own country, right? In your right. own, yeah. In, in your own province and stuff like that. Very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, chance favors the prepared mind. I think that's my favorite quote, you know. And uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's a good one to live by, you know. So what what does that mean to you? I, I seen you were quoted in one of the news articles with that quote. So what does that what does that quote mean to you, Greg? Um, you know what the the better prepared you are, right? The better the more knowledge you have, uh, the better prepared you are. The um, the better your chances at surviving are, you know? Sure. You, you, almost like you make your own luck, right? If, if you prepare ahead of time, uh, you might be able to make the best of your opportunities. Absolutely. You'll know how to, how to you know, you'll, you'll know how to, you'll have that knowledge and experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah. We've, man, we've been an hour and almost an hour and 10 minutes, Greg. This has been fun. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah, this is great. So, um, I, well, yeah, we should probably uh, wrap up. But what? Um, anything you want to say in closing? And make sure you tell people. Well, how much is the course? How to get a hold of you? Any of that stuff? You know. Um, I'll, I'll just uh, quickly finish off with uh, the rest of the day in the field. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't have to finish. You go ahead. Take your time. Yeah, and you know, I'm just gonna breeze through it. Basically, That's okay. Uh, once we get back, you know, we kind of unwind, right? Um, you know, we. Um, have some more coffee, things like that, and then we jump into the bushcraft portion. Oh, that uh, that's ran by uh, Jason, and like I said, he's the bushcraft uh, uh, expert, yep. right? And we do uh, you know things like shelters, um, f signal fires, um, how to start a fire, um, you know, uh, all the bushcraft skills of how to survive, basically in the woods. Nice. Um, yeah, some of that it would be transferable to an urban environment as well, but it's mostly you know bushcraft at this point is is what we're uh, yeah what we're teaching right, and I think that's kind of the the basics, and that's what you should start off with when you're 
um, you know, if you're going to go more into like urban survival as well, right? You got to know the basics. So can someone who like literally has no experience with any of this stuff, is this, is this the type of thing that somebody with zero experience could start with? Absolutely. And it, we, I mean, we tailored the course so that if you're, you know, pregnant, you can take the course as long as you're cleared by your doctor and you don't push yourself, right? If you're good to walk through the, you know, navigation exercise and stuff like that, then you're welcome on the course. Uh, we don't have any age restrictions. Nobody has to do anything. You know, um, we're not forcing anybody to walk the, the navigation course. We're ready to bring people back. We're, we're medically and physically capable of bringing people back from the field if they get injured or anything like that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, we just, we carry a, a, what's called a mega mover or a giant tarp, right, with handles on it. So we can, you know, medevac somebody out from the field if anything happens. Um, halfway through the navigation course, we have an escape point, right? So the, the nav course is only half as long uh, if need be, right? Think, things yeah. like that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we, we, we tailored this, this course so that if you know nothing, we will teach you a whole bunch of awesome stuff. If you know some stuff, we will teach, teach you a whole bunch of awesome stuff. If you know a whole bunch of stuff, you will learn a whole bunch of new stuff, right? It's kind of, we're able to teach and instruct to every level of knowledge and experience, right? I mean, where else can you get a uh, CBRN expert, you know, a, a former special forces guy and a Bushmaster or a, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bushcraft yeah. master, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, um, to find, uh, find out more because right now we're actually uh, joining a little bit of our efforts with a company called Tip of Spear here in Edmonton. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure if uh, familiar, but they, uh, uh, they're a hub for um, courses like mine and, okay. uh, and weapons courses and, you know, uh, kind of uh, they teach Krav Maga and things like that. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm joining forces with them a little bit and uh, I'll be probably going through their website to sell my courses, right? Nice. Yeah, just for payment and stuff like that. But for the time being, if you want to check out more information about, uh, you know, the course itself, the, uh, the course that we run, the Critical uh, Condition Survival Course, right? Then you can go to our website, apocalypseprep.ca. Yep. Or you can email us at apocalypseprep at hotmail.com. Okay. And how much is the course? Uh, it's 275 bucks per okay. person per, per weekend. Right. And uh, I mentioned dollars <laughs> for, yeah. Cause I always joke. So that's about 20 bucks American, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, and uh, you know, if there's any uh, ladies or gentlemen that want to go to Ukraine to help, right. Then, you know, contact me. I'll put you through for free. That's awesome. What a, what a good father, Greg. Thank you. No, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, thanks, man. This was awesome. I yeah, I, I love finding local people to chat with. And uh we yeah. I, are are you okay to hang around for just a second after the show? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, sure. If you if you're okay to hang around for a sec, I'll, I'll just close up the show and I'll be right back with you. All right. Thanks, Tim. No problem. Thanks, Greg. All right, all the best. Well, guys, that was awesome. Like I said, it's it's pretty hard to find some like-minded uh, individuals like that from our province here in Alberta. So um, I hope everybody from around the way 
enjoyed this. This was a great interview. Uh, you never know when you reach out to people you don't know how the interview is going to go, and it was great. Uh, we learned a lot, and yeah, definitely for any of my fellow Albertans, um, this might have to be something we look into maybe getting together and doing because this would be a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, uh, what do we got next week? We got Matt, the lawyer, coming on next week. So he's going to talk about taxes and law and everything else, but we'll deal with that down the road. So anyway, guys, uh, I tell you this every week, but I appreciate you coming and hanging out in the workshop. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.